I'm Kate Headley, one of the directors at The Clear Company. Welcome to this series of podcasts, Let's Be Clear. 2020 has exposed the opportunity for an inclusion explosion in the workplace, but are we really at risk of an exclusion epidemic as we've never known it? The Clear Company's team of consultants, specialists and our expert panel discuss and debate the realities of personal and professional life through the equality, diversity and inclusion lens. So today I'm delighted to welcome to the Let's Be Clear podcast, Pauline Miller, Head of Talent Development and Inclusion at Lloyd's, and Dominic Christian, who is the Chair of Aon Reinsurance and the Deputy Chair of Lloyd's. So we've got some pretty powerful people on the podcast today, and we're discussing that topic of, let's be clear, lockdown's brought some changes in terms of flexible working. We've got people out of the office and working from home, but is it all good news from an employment perspective and specifically from that inclusion perspective? So Pauline, what's your view on that? So I think obviously um, people went into lockdown very quickly and we had to make some very quick adjustments, but what we quickly noticed um, when you move, when you first move into lockdown is that the well-being element tends to build up over time. So, so psychological we can deal with the fact that we're going into lockdown for a week, two weeks or three weeks. But when there's an uncertainty of, I don't know when this is going to end, it starts to build up that level of anxiety and can really impact people's own well-being. Even if you are living in a house with other people, that can still impact your well-being. We also note that it's not great when we're just sat at screens and suddenly what would have been a 30-minute telephone call has become another Zoom, Teams, Skype or WebEx and so we are constantly on screen time and that impacts our ability to A, do the work that we would normally have done but also our own, again, health and well-being. From an inclusion perspective, we've got to think more broadly about the impact of working in virtual environments on an ongoing basis and what that means for us. So, um, so I think those are the really big things that, have, that, that most organisations that we're starting to see, you know, that, that really unpicks themselves. I mean, definitely. And I mean, it's that being stuck at your screen and the Amazon guy or woman knocks at the door and do you miss that parcel that you've been waiting for for a week or do you crack on with your Zoom? And the impacts it's had on, you know, the whole ablution situation, let's not go there. Um, <laughs> Dom, I know that you've had quite a complicated period of lockdown in terms of uh, domestic arrangements and, and some of it spent on your own. Are you, are you able to share some of that with us? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that my family have um, been very happy with me on my own at times, uh, they, uh, which, is, which is slightly alarming. Uh, but it's just been a nature of, you know, kind of work and going all a bit crazy with um, the sort of visual media tyranny that we all have to face. I think actually flexible working and working from home is now legitimised, and I don't think it was. I think before it was kind of like, are you really or are you slightly, you know? And, and actually now I would be really interested in... How many people, how long do five days a week? In inverted commas, eight hours a day, whatever their normal kind of world is. So I think that's changed. But for me, it's been a bit complicated for lots of different reasons. But I think what happens, I think Paul is absolutely right. There's a sort of different phases of this, isn't it? A lot has to do with how long you're actually in lockdown and which is a challenge to the future. So, you know, I've gone from being bewildered, anxious, tired, resilient, engaged, excited. And now I think of myself as a recovering lockdowner. Because I don't, I don't, you know, when I was first doing it, I was like reorganising, color-coding my ties, doing strange things like reorganising the battery drawer, desperately looking for the Amazon post guy and all that sort of stuff. But now I'm sort of just, you know, I'm much more back to me, I think. 
and recognizing that I need to find a balance and help others find a balance between that social interaction that work can provide so, so beautifully and brilliantly and actually a recognition that some of us are happier working at home, particularly in the set of circumstances. I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because all three of us have got very different circumstances. But you, you mentioned, Don, before we came on, on live that, you know, we've all of us got a very fortunate addition, which is a, a close family and supportive family around us, mm. which does help. What has been the response for lawyers? What have you been able to do? And obviously, uh, Dom, in your, in your broader role across the market, to make sure that colleagues who perhaps haven't got that support around them have got access to people to talk to people to commune with that haven't got that advantage and any anything you can share with us on that well, i think a very good organization like lloyd's and if i might say hey, i'm no doubt a series of other companies in the market and probably even talk about this of course in a second have the formal processes of well-being and they've sort of advanced those in terms of connection you can get in touch with and so forth but i think the really important thing is that those people you work with most closely are in touch with each other a lot because uh, they know you best uh, and so sensitive immediate management if that's the word is is really important constant conversation you need to find reasons to call people beyond actually you know the sort of the daily work you need to call them just to come home for a couple of days hey what's going on how are you going etc et i think that's very important to people and actually become even more acutely important as i know we'll get to with things like blm and so forth i think in the last few months where people have been having to face some very very new subjects in some ways to some of us not to others perhaps but you know kind of thinking sensitively through those sort of issues so for me it's a constant kind of cultural pressure and desire to communicate talk chat be together more if even and i don't know that it needs to be zoom it's sorry visual by the way it can be but i think it just just a voice is good just how you're doing means a lot you know those 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 were how are you doing means so much more now than it ever did um yeah certainly at the corporate level we initially started with well-being pulse surveys so we started to understand you know how people are experiencing were they getting enough communication did they feel that their managers were being supportive enough so really trying to understand that piece we input that we uh, implemented the headspace app so i think then there are many other types of well-being style apps that you can put in place for your staff and some at very reasonable costs um, or reductive costs. Um, we, um, across inclusion at Lloyd's, we have been running for more than a couple of years now our wellbeing champions. And they're across the market. They, they go on training. They have um, a, a whole, whole day of training to really understand how they can signpost people to additional resources and support. So encouraging our wellbeing champions to put their green dog, it's our logo, onto the bottom of their emails, for example, so that they can still tell people virtually that they're a, there to support and help guide and then in the market that we ran um, so for our own staff but also for market participants a number of well-being webinars um, and we ran virtual yoga virtual mindfulness as well as well-being apps on you know managing children you know and childcare and school care and school care and work at the you know at the same time and homeschooling um, but informally within teams we've done coffee chats just pairing people up randomly and encouraging them to have a coffee chat be that telephone or otherwise. And that's been really good from a department. You know, I had my coffee chat with someone I hadn't been spoken to for weeks and weeks because we're not in the same team, to, to Dom's, Dom's point. So, um, so I think that's a really good one as well. You know, in that bit about how you're doing, you've also got to, to get the sort of intimacy of the conversation, you've got to say how 
but, but you've got to tell your story as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, and that way it's a joint kind of, you know, thing and you're sort of, you know, sharing kind of friendship with it. And I think it's, you know, you need to do that rather than be seen as one of you, some kind of counsellor. It's kind of, you, you sort of need to sort of try and have a balance to it. Now there's a role for counsel, of course, and that's perhaps for more professionals that, you know, Lloyds and Aon and organisations of arts are type have. But I do think it's just about being as personal as you feel you can be yeah. without anyone feeling awkward. I think so. And also, um, it's not always about the positive stories, is it? So I think yeah. it's important to share. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we're getting much better at it. I mean, I've been doing, um, I'm working on a big audit at the moment. I've been interviewing some execs and, and, and normally, you know, that, that is quite a polished conversation mm -hmm. and we get down to some detail, but, um, and you've both been through it, so you know what it feels like. But I've got, you know, people talking about their mental health. Uh, you know, at the executive level and the impact that COVID's had on it very openly. I think we, we, we are, we've, one of the positives is we seem to have created a more open dialogue that it would be yes. really helpful for us to maintain and not just, mm. it'd be so easy for it to just shut down again mm. when some of the infrastructures go back in. Yeah, I must admit, I mean, my daughter was, um, I'll see you both know, but was in the suspected COVID for eight days, 22, and thankfully didn't have it. But, you know, they, the people I was working with were fantastic. I mean, I was doing a call with a, someone who just started with us who's 23, and I ended up talking about my daughter, you know, it's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> but she was brilliant, it's good, you know, so like, it's that stuff, you know, because people can be incredibly helpful to you in these circumstances, you know. I think, you know, it's like Pauline was saying before we came on air about um, the new people coming into employment now, you know, graduates, apprentices, yeah. school leavers, be what they may not developing that you know ability to form relationships because it's not part of what we're doing well virtually but not physically i think i think it's a really important point and it can be it, it can be very isolating and it also i think could also maybe um the challenge we have about economic changes and differences and, and social mobility is that if you've got a family around you and you learn those social skills from from that from your particular family or the people that are around you then that's going to advantage you when you go back in the workplace if you're a graduate that's going back and living on your own or you're with a family that haven't worked corporately or whatever it might be you're not getting that learning from anywhere else so you come you come into the workplace then without that advantage and paul you were talking about that before we came on air if you any thoughts as to how we can you know, capture this? So I think there's a, there, there are a couple of pieces there. So um, as you mentioned, you know, if you are a, um, a, a new entrant to the workplace and you haven't worked in, uh, we work in office environments, but you haven't worked in that business-based environment, it's really difficult for you to understand uh, at times to be able to build up those connections and to, to really expand your breadth of business connections outside of the function that you're currently in. So that's a challenge and we need to think about how we can rotate you know whether it's new entrants into different teams outside of their, of their traditional lines I think um, you know we also have to remember that many uh, certainly at the younger end um, so emerging talent they are living at home I know we've all got you know adult children living at home with us they are living at home which means they are likely to be working from a bedroom or a shared space and that's a very different environment for some of those that are more experienced in their careers who may be able to carve out up different spaces in their homes, especially if they're homeowners. And, and I think, you know, that, that's like, you know, how do you then learn also? So many younger uh, workers learn from sitting next to someone. They pick mm -hmm. up by yeah. 
asking questions, those informal questions that you need to ask. I've just got a quick question. Can I ask? That becomes a 30 minute meeting in, in this current environment. So we've got to be able to use more of the technology tools so that people can just ping a, you know, ping a question across and work out how we do that. So those, those chat forums, those, uh, you know, there's lots of different tools that we all use. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I totally agree with Pauline. And I think the, the two, I think, challenges of this have been, other than first and foremost, the human crisis tragedy around that, have been uh, mental has been well-being uh, and soft learnings yeah. and soft learnings is really tricky and it's a big thing for our industry particularly our, our well, not just the London part of the industry but the insurance industry because if you look at the sort of most of the leaders of the industry they've obviously had a lot of soft learning education mm. you look at the chairman of Lloyd or the CEO of Lloyd for instance you look at the style of them for instance and so forth you know they're very they've got a lot of ease around them you sort of feel well, actually kind of there's there's been an education in that and both of them of course have you know from their worlds so sort of, i think picked that up very brilliantly and it's true also for you know quite a lot of the industry actually the other challenge is that you know and i'm sorry to use the word zoom it's been unfair on zoom but just i think you know what i'm saying but those meetings just close Whereas if we have a meeting and you're with younger people, they can forge, you, you know, you can forge a connection in that meeting, yeah. perhaps towards the end of the meeting, somehow find a way of connecting, you know, hey, I'll get in touch with you, you know, call if you wouldn't mind. So you begin to build relationships. And it's far harder to do that when you've got these kind of meetings because for the most part, the meetings are, you know, different generations, seniorities and so forth. And if you're the younger person in that, how do you connect with that other younger person? in that meeting and so forth. And the last bit is, I would say, is that I know when I came to the city, I was a bit older than some. I was in, I was in my 20s, but I'd never worked with anyone other than a pub and as a road sweep, but I'd never worked with older people. Yeah. You know, the older people I knew were my family. You know, and that is, you know, just something that you learn. And that's quite hard in this environment at the moment. Yeah. To tell, you know, how do you have to be differential? How do you, you know, how do you play someone who's Dominic Christian's age? Can I, or do you have to at all? And it's sort of, uh, you know, and it's, it's so there's a lot of stuff that I think doesn't translate through the circumstance which we find ourselves in. If you're young you know, Dom, let's add in there that extra layer of diversity, different cultures. Yeah, great point. Um, great which point. is a really big piece in terms of, you know, Massive. we know that our, our current environment is not as diverse as we would like it to be. Mm. So as we really step up efforts to bring greater diversity in, if we're working remotely, we've got to be able to work that through as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. You mentioned, um, Don. You know, I think it was just before we came on air that we've had, you know, we've had a lot to deal with during this lockdown period. COVID nineteen being part of that, um, you know, the impact on mental health, people um, uh, losing loved ones, um, all of the things we're talking about now in terms of isolation and, and the impact that has on different cultures, people from who are from the LGBT. Q plus background and you know, people who come out at home and not come out at work and all of this complexity that's in this mix. And then we've got um, Black Lives Matter and the focus, certainly I can speak for everybody on this, uh, on this podcast and hopefully everybody listening to it, the focus quite rightly on anti-racism and, and you know what are we collectively now, we have to step up the pace on this and get something done. And we're all doing that, you know, internalizing, intellectualizing it working out what we can do as individuals because we're not in a collective zone and I would just be really interested in um, both of your thoughts on on how how we can how we can do that how can we harness this 
um, and how can we move it forward? You know, one of the reflections that I, I've had around how you mobilise when you've got a, a sort of a really big crisis, but an, a really big awakening that says... Mm-hmm we've got to change something. And if I liken it back to last year, when we went through the process of culture, you know, we we knew what was coming. We had all of the articles, but we had to really bed down and really pull some activity and really get some work done to really look at how we change our culture going forward. And a lot of that time was us working together in rooms. It was us going through detail. It was us talking and really having those conversations, really in-depth conversations about how we address culture from a market perspective and how can we move the dial forward. And, you know, we've had to, and also how do we respond to people that are impacted by what they've read or seen or heard? That was a much smaller, you know, sort of element than Black Lives Matter. What we've got now is Black Lives Matter is on the news. Every single day, Mm -hmm. there is a reference there is new research now coming through about education, about our, you know, our teaching staff, whether it's, you know, the NHS workers, there is, it's, it's constant. So we can't not have a conversation, but because we are not working, to, we're not in the same environment, some people find it really hard to think about how do I start a conversation in a virtual meeting like this, when it's not something that I really understand um, and, you know, I haven't, I've, I've not gone off and read any of the literature either, which, you know, they can do, but it's a really tough one to start the dialogue, even harder because it's more complex. But you know what? Actually, it's, it, and, and also the other part of that is how do you then break away from the complexity and think mm-hmm. about how do you break out? You know, if we're saying that it's structural and it's uh, systematic. How do you unpick that in a virtual world? It's, it's challenging, but not, not impossible. So I think we've got to recognise that it's challenging and the protests may die down, you know, they, and they'll come back again because unless we fix it, it will come back. Yeah. And it's for us as organisations not to forget that we have to keep that pace moving. It's, it's not a we can fix this in a month. It took hundreds of years to get to where we are now. And it's going to take a good effort and a number of years, more years than we would like to think, um, to unpick it all. Yeah, I am. I, I think I'm very fortunate in some ways because I come from a it's very liberal, open sort of background and lived abroad, lived in Africa and that sort of stuff. And so I, I sort of have had an interest in this subject. But you do need people to help educate you. And I'd be very lucky because Pauline helped educate me, did mm-hmm. you know, on many subjects. But this is certainly one where she's really helped me sort of shape my thinking. And there's a couple in my office who have Mary Lade, Domi, and they, they really helped me understand a little bit more. And so what we did, and I'm very proud of this, so sorry to say this, is we're 38% of our early careers program joiners were from a black, uh, brown Asian minority ethnic background last year. Why? But we, got, we were lucky because we had a couple of people who were paired from... Uh, those communities to prepare to stand up and actually kind of take the, the discussions forward internally for us. And then we had a couple of my boss and a couple of others who were very, very enthused by that because we felt not only were we doing the right thing, but we would have a competitive advantage by actually getting to communities that others weren't. So all good. That's stated. Um, I think the two things that have come across to me most are on the subject, actually, Paul and I haven't even she I had Charles Justice already. So one we've been doing a colleague listening program, which actually, funny enough, through these circumstances, may be better 
than in the office. Meetings are generally better, of course, but where we've had people from various types of backgrounds, communities, and people like me just listen. So I'm not allowed to speak, which imagines all for me. But the actual kind of uh, the actual so, which is great. So, but actually, what I am learning is some of the horrors that still go on, which I have very naively kind of thought, oh no, we're you know through some of this that. We've got a long, long way to go, as Paul would say. But the other thing I found very interesting, which was pointed to me yesterday by my colleagues, and I went on uh, the one of the Black Lives Marches, one of the early ones in uh, Travis Square, and took a knee and all that stuff. By the way, so no problem, trouble whatsoever. But there was one thing that struck me. And it wasn't about a number of white people there or not. There were very, very few people between 40 and 50. Mm. And what was being said to me yesterday by my colleagues, and you know, we often talk when we talk about uh, inclusion, we talk about that squeeze middle. Yeah. It's so apparent, not just in corporate life, <laughs> but in society on these subjects. And, and it's really getting me thinking. So I'll try, Kate, because I'd love a sort of conversation, you know, on occasion with you and Pauline as to how we think about that. Because it isn't just a problem. I thought it was a problem of, a, you know, of corporate life. No. I think it's much more than that the more I now begin to think about it. It's so really, why is that? It's so interesting you should say that because we've been having the same, I'm, I'm sure you guys are the same, is that we've been having more family conversations than we've probably ever had in our lives. And we're talking about deep and rich and meaningful um, subjects. This most definitely being one of them. And that's come up with us a lot. Um, my husband and I are both in our 50s. And we've got you know, close friends and contemporaries who are like-minded and, and, and think like us. But we've got a lot of people of our age group, of our generation, who just don't get this stuff. It's right. completely different. Whereas Jessica, our daughter, as, as, um, as a, you know, in her early 20s, her generation absolutely gets it. You know, they're dropping people off Facebook. Well, they're saying, yeah. I'm not, if, you, if that's what you're saying, I'm not interested, I'm not going there, I'm moving on, we're moving the dial. And then you've got the older generation as well, who I think are finding it really difficult. Um, and some are very, some people we find very open to discussion. Some people are just, it's, it's just, it's rocking too much of 70 or 80 years of, of their supposed existence for it to be safe enough emotionally to go there. And that we've got to make it safe to go there. Else we won't connect with those generations. It, it is, there is definitely a generational Thing. And I don't know whether that's about, we, we will have the conversation outside of here and then we'll do another podcast so listeners, you can hear the results. Because <laughs> it's got to be something about economic cycles again, so that'd be interesting to get your insight mm. in, Dom, in terms of what was happening in education in those periods, what was happening in society in those periods, what was happening economically in those periods. Will have had an impact on what, because it's the nature and nurture thing, you know, the, the, the produce of different decades does vary. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you're right. I think that, um, you know, I mean, we always, there's this element of saying that the next generation is going to change things for us. But I, I do truly think when you look at the, you know, across so many more issues and these are more personally, so in corporate life, I remember, you know, the, the millennials are going to come in and change flexible working. They didn't. Mm -hmm. They assumed, they assumed the behavior of what was in the organizations that of they course. Yeah. But this is not about the organisations that they work for. This is about injustice that they feel is, in, is, is not right. Yeah. Be that through race or be that through the environment or otherwise. And they are building a very different view of what they see as acceptable. And actually, if this 
this crisis has shown us anything and I see this with my daughter and you know she graduated last year and obviously we've gone straight into a COVID period so where do you find your first graduate role? Sure. She set herself up and doing her own business and actually will she even be interested in going into the working environment now because actually she can manage doing what she's doing building up a client base of her own business so and, and this is this is the period now where people are going away and reflecting around what they want longer term uh, great comment about being more entrepreneurial i think that's yeah. a really interesting thing your daughter's doing because i guess that's going to be the corporatized competition isn't it it is yeah, yeah. now you say it. yeah well, yeah. you know, it's interesting because it has been for a long time, but increasingly so, isn't it? But I mean, yeah, I remember I reading, yeah. there was a figure at one point that two thirds of you know, SMEs in the UK, entrepreneurial businesses in the UK were run by women. Um, and when you delved into that, why were they running their own business? Because actually um, they felt more able to be an entrepreneur. I mean, I'm one of them, obviously. Um, you know, uh, cor corporate life, I was just a pain. You know, I, I was that thorn. Um, I, I was much better on the outside of sizing in, you know. And I worked for some big ones, as you both know. Um, that didn't go well. No, unemployable, I think is a good term. But, but anyway, we've got loads more I've survived. So, <laughs> you survived. I think we'll need to revisit and regroup for our listeners but um in the interest of um you hey, can ask a question Claire. i know you want to but just i i just think one of the things about all this is that you know and i hope this doesn't come across insensibly well we've got to get our minds to of course is what are our positives in the midst yeah. of not being insensitive yeah. yeah to the great difficulties and tragedies so and to me and it does include inclusion of this and paul and i have discussed it i mean we could advance certain real subjects by 10 years mm -hmm through this and that's huge if we're able to inclusion is one of those hopefully green economy is one of those how much mm -hmm. time i think health has to be one of those so it could be some really good things that come out of it you know yeah, yeah i, I, I think you're right absolutely I agree and it's nice to end on a positive paulie what, what would your message to our listeners be I, I think i would finish off by saying that um, you know there are two sides so one is is that in order to ensure that we encourage greater inclusion that we pay that extra lens on the basis that we know that actually you'll be interviewing by video now so let's make sure that those biases that we've worked so hard to reduce don't creep back in so there are really good opportunities for us to make sure that we leverage this virtual space that creates and makes it more accessible for people uh, but but make sure we don't un unpick and that we actually take the opportunity to think about what does a new blended working environment look like yeah um so actually to make sure we can make it to the bathroom we should be finishing our meetings within 45 minutes yeah um you know uh, so how do we make sure that we can work in a way that 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 is the best for everyone recognizing that it's not just about young children being at home we know that <laughs> it's also you know how do we make sure that we can have our adult time having those rich conversations because it's yeah. important with our adult children as it is with our young so this is a real opportunity for us to reinvent what the future looks like for the working environment and that's the uh, the, the thing that really excites me I mean, what a great point to end on. So it's a real opportunity to reinvent. Dom, you shared, you know, this, we can progress by 10 years. And I think there's some stuff that we could do because we've got our eyes open, we're listening and we're hearing and we're seeing. So, you know, the virtual environment, let's make sure that that flexibility is equally delivered. 
Let's notice when it's the woman who's got the kids crawling all over and the husband's working in the background. Let's notice those things and let's have that dialogue and make it as okay for our male colleagues as our female colleagues to be interacting with their family during working hours when we're working from home. And I think that's, that, that's something that could be transformational and maximise the opportunity that we've been given here. So on that note, I'd like to thank you both very much for your honesty, um, your authenticity as always, and, and most of all, of course, your insight. So thanks very much to Dom and Pauline, and we'll see you again on Let's Be Clear. Thank you for joining us on Let's Be Clear. Follow us on social media and subscribe to make sure you never miss a conversation. If you would like to discuss anything mentioned in this podcast further, please contact Let's Be Clear at theclearcompany.co.uk. Accessible versions of this podcast can be found on the Clear Company YouTube channel. See you next time and thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.